Welcome back to the Word on Fire show. I'm Brandon Vaught, the Senior Content Director at Word on Fire. Today we're going to share with you a talk that Bishop Barron gave at the end of last year, 2020, at the United States Naval Academy. Yes, that's right. Bishop Barron was invited to Annapolis, Maryland to speak at the United States Naval Academy. And he discussed three sailors from the Bible. So you see the thematic uh, tie-in there. The patriarch Noah, the prophet Jonah, and our Lord Jesus Christ. All men who had relation to the water, to the seas. Bishop Barron says that the sea can be thought of as something frightening and terrifying, standing athwart the purposes of God with its unforgiving power and discouraging darkness. However, when we allow ourselves to be swallowed up by the Lord's will, we will find a peace that is sure and unshakable, even in the midst of the worst storms. The talk is fairly lengthy. It's over an hour long. So we're just going to share the first half today. And then in a couple weeks, we'll share the second half of the talk. But before I turn it over to Bishop Barron, I'd like to remind you one more time to please help us to complete the Word on Fire Bible Project. We've discussed this the last few episodes about how we're just putting the finishing touches on volume two of what looks to be a seven-volume series that will carry us through the next, I don't know, six, seven, eight years. Um, So it's a massive, ambitious project, really the project of a lifetime. This is the Bible that we want to pass on to our children and our grandchildren, but to do that, we need your help. So visit the website, wordonfire.org slash Bible Project. I'll include a link in the show notes and contribute a little money to helping make sure that this project crosses the finish line. Well, thanks so much. And I'll turn it over to Bishop Barron for his talk to the United States Naval Academy. Enjoy. Well, good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for that nice introduction. Thank you to all the administrators here at the Naval Academy. This really is a high honor for me to be able to speak to all of you and in such a magnificent place. It's my first time visiting here and I got the, uh, the tour this afternoon and was just overwhelmed by the historical quality of this place, the beauty of it. So thank you, everybody. Thanks for coming too tonight. I know during this difficult time to come here tonight and to reflect on some of the deeper things in life. So I appreciate your presence very much and am very honored by the invitation to be with you. As I was preparing for this talk, I thought, okay, the Naval Academy. How could I not talk about the sea and about sailors? It occurred to me the Bible has a lot to say about both those things. So I want to talk to you tonight about three sailors, two from the Old Testament, one from the New, and draw some spiritual lessons from them. I'll be looking at Noah and Jonah from the Old Testament and Jesus himself from the New. But now to understand these stories at the spiritual level, the first thing we have to understand is how biblical people thought of the sea. Now, we might have a somewhat romantic sense of of the sea, its beauty and its majesty, its mystery, and so on. But more often than not, the biblical authors were frightened of the sea. They saw it as something terrifying. And, And not surprisingly, given the, you know, 
simple quality of the ships that they were, they were sailing. When ancient people had to travel by sea, they usually hugged the shore. They were reluctant to set out on the open sea. Think of even, look at St. Augustine's Confessions. So around the year, you know, 400, Augustine had to cross between Africa and Italy twice. Terrified him both times. The sea, therefore, becomes in the Bible very often a symbol of all that's negative, all that stands athwart the purposes of God. Sin and death and failure, fear, symbolized by the sea. Go to the very beginning of the entire Bible. Go to the opening verses of the book of Genesis. What do you find? That in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a, a formless waste, it says. And the Hebrew term there, rather lyrical term, is tohu vabohu. And the scholars disagree about precisely what it means, but the consensus is something like watery chaos, the chaotic waters. And then we hear that the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the tohu vabohu. And the Hebrew word there gives the sense of a mother hen hovering over her brood, protectively and encouragingly. God will bring order and creation out of the tohu vabohu, out of the primal chaos. In some ways, everybody, the whole drama of the Bible is in that opening line. Forces standing opposed to God, but God triumphantly bringing order and harmony and creation out of that chaos. Think how often the tohu vabohu represents itself throughout the biblical narrative. Think of the waters of the Red Sea that have to part to allow the Israelites to escape. Think of Jesus walking on the stormy waters of the Sea of Galilee. Think of the Jordan that has to stop so that Israel can cross into the Promised Land. Very often the story of the tohu vabohu threatening and God finding a way is in the biblical narrative. So here's the question for all of us. What do we do when the tohu vabohu threatens? What do we do in the face of the primal chaos? How do we survive when the storm waters come? And now, most of you in this room are pretty young, but those of us of a certain age, you know the storm waters always come. Sickness and failure and disease and the death of loved ones, my own sin. How do we handle this? And how do we get on the side of the God who's always drawing creation from chaos? So I'm going to look at two of these stories in the Old Testament that are right on this theme.
The first one now has to do with undoubtedly the most famous sailor in the Bible, namely Noah. You can find the Noah story course in chapters 6 through 10 of the book of Genesis. You can read it easily in one sitting. I recommend you do it. Here's how it starts. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great upon the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. It's a pretty dire assessment, right? The story is talking about the tohu vabohu that comes from sin. So there is that kind of natural evil I was talking about, sickness and, and the death of loved ones and so on. But here the story is about the, the watery chaos that comes from cruelty and from hatred and from violence and from jealousy and from betrayal. What do you do when you feel yourself overwhelmed by these forces? Well, notice how Genesis tells us that the wickedness upon the earth has awakened in God a desire to destroy the earth. Now, please don't read this as God falling into a sort of psychological snit. No, no, the Bible's talking here about a kind of spiritual physics. If this, then that. What follows from sin is a breaking apart of God's good order. What follows from cruelty and hatred and violence is a breaking down, a breaking apart of what God intends. God's not arbitrarily punishing. We're just noticing a state of affairs. See, don't think for a minute, fellow sinners, right? We're all sinners in this room. Don't think for a second that when we are cruel and we're violent and we're hateful, that it doesn't have a negative impact all around us. Oh, that's just my little private sin. No, 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 no. It has this effect of breaking down God's good order. So, what do we do? Or better, what does God do? Because throughout the Bible we see that God sends rescue operations. So listen. But Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. Noah walked with God. That's a really important description. Noah walking with God. Because in the earlier part of Genesis, prior to the fall, Adam is described as walking with God in the garden. Now, see what that means. When you, let's say you're, you're coming up to a friend on the sidewalk and then you start to walk together with him, right? You sort of fall in step with him. If you're walking too fast or too slow, you, you have to adjust so that you can now have a communion or a conversation with them. So to walk with God is to adjust your rhythms to his. 
is to bring your mind into line with his, your will into line with his. It's a kind of spiritual choreography. And see, that's what the saints all have in common. They're people who walk with God, in rhythm with God. So, in the midst of the moral tohu vabohu of the world, God finds Noah, who, like Adam before the fall, knows how to walk with the Lord. And what does he say to Noah? It applies to everybody in this room. Listen. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. God is instructing Noah in how to build a vehicle that will allow him to walk with the Lord even in the midst of the primal chaos. See, that's the point, and that's why it applies to everyone in this room. How do we build a vehicle, a ship, a boat, that will enable us to navigate the stormy waters? Now, caused by the, by the negativity of life, yes, but also caused by the negativity of sin around us, also caused by our own negativity. How do we navigate those waves? Well, we have to build a strong ship. Notice the pitch on the inside and out, lest any of the water gets in. This has got to be ship shape, what we're making here. Otherwise, we'll be overwhelmed by the tohu vabohu. And then beautifully, of course, Noah is invited to bring representatives of all of the animals onto the ark. Now, now don't think of this as just a, a charming story for kids. It's making a very important spiritual point. When you're connected to God, you are connected through God to everything else and everybody else in the universe. Does that make sense? Because if, if I'm connected to the creator of all things, that means I'm, created, I'm connected to you and to you and to brother, sun, and sister, moon, as St. Francis put it and to all of the animals on the earth. That's not a, a childish romanticism. That's just good metaphysics. Do you see how the tohu vabohu wrecks God's created order, causing dissolution, division, separation, but walking with the Lord keeps me in connection with God and through God to everything and everybody else. So, brothers and sisters, keep that image in your mind of Noah on the ark with the animals. That's the vehicle that we have to construct. And notice, this doesn't happen automatically. We have to build the ark, as Noah did. But on that firm deck... Noah can continue to walk with the Lord even as the waves crash around him. 
That's why this is a spiritual program for everybody in this room. You know, years ago, I was a doctoral student in Paris. And um, my very favorite place to go when I was in Paris was down to the Seine, right behind Notre Dame Cathedral. And I would sit there by the, by the river bank with a book, and I'd read the book, and I'd look up at Notre Dame. And I think that's the loveliest aspect of it. Now, since the terrible fire now, what, a year and a half ago, it's been compromised. But that view of Notre Dame from the back made it look for all the world like a great ship. On the Ile de la Cité, so uh, on the island there in the middle of the Seine, and then the flying buttresses coming out from the side of Notre Dame, looking like oars, propelling this great ship through the ages. Well, see, this is not accidental. What's this central part of a church called but a nave, right? From the Latin novice, meaning ship. See, we're, and the architect knew that here, of course, too. We're meant to be on a great ship. The church is foreshadowed, the church fathers said, by the Ark of Noah. Why? Because the church is this place that is filled with the presence of God. It's where the word of God is proclaimed. It's where the example of the saints are, are, is held up to us. It's where we gather as a community around the love of the Lord. It's a place of prayer, of contemplation, of cosmic connection indeed. I'm not sure if it's true in this place. I haven't looked that carefully. But in, in most of the great Gothic churches, they're filled with plants and animals and, and, and the stars and planets. Because connected to God, I'm connected to everything else. Do you see how the church in Notre Dame is now is just in my mind right now, but this place beautifully symbolizes it. The church is the great ship that we sail through the tohu vabohu of a chaotic world. And if we don't build the ark, we can be overwhelmed. Now, most people in this room, you guys are young, what, 18 through 22, you're young. Your age cohort right now in our country, it's probably not true in, in this room, but generally speaking, your age cohort is disaffiliating from religion like crazy. So the overall number in our country is now 26%. That's the whole country, says they have no religion. But your age cohort, say 30 and younger, it's now 40%. That's a statistic, everybody, that's not simply of sociological interest. That's of enormous psychological and theological importance. Because what that says to me is there are an awful lot of people, your age cohort, increasingly who are not building an ark. Oh, who needs God? You know, it's old superstition and prayer and the liturgy and the sacraments and the saints and, well, you know, all that. Let me just get on with the, with the stuff of life. 
because the storms come, everybody, right? And everyone in this room older than 40 knows what I'm talking about, right? The storms come. What do you do? What do you do when they come? Do you have this ship-shape vehicle on which you can navigate these waves? Disaffiliating from religion, leaving the confines of the ark, ain't the answer. Now again, I'm preaching to the choir here, I realize you guys are here in this place. But you got to be evangelizers too, to your cohort. Um, the Bible itself doesn't really go into this, but it's easy enough to um, imagine it. And in some of the, the uh, artistic depictions and the films about Noah, they explore this theme. Namely, how strange Noah must have looked to everyone around him as he was building his ark, right? So here's, these are desert people writing the Bible. So here's someone in a desert setting. And what's he building? This giant boat. What, are you out of your mind? So we often seem to this increasingly secularized world. So we often seem silly, ridiculous. What are you doing? Why are you wasting your time? Noah knew he had to build that ark to navigate the waves when they come. We know the same thing. I wonder, maybe you guys are too young. Do you remember the movie um, Field of Dreams? Do you remember that Kevin Costner's movie? See, that movie is very interesting to me. And in many ways, it's a retelling of the Noah story. Here's this ordinary guy, right? Costner's character, Ray Kinsella. Iowa farmer, doing his ordinary work. And he hears a voice. Now, think about voices. Some of the saints, I think, really did hear a voice. But typically, that voice is a symbol of attending to a will beyond this world, right? People that become attuned to the purposes of God. You know, if you build it, he will come, right? And here's this Iowa farmer who becomes convinced, I got to build a baseball diamond in the middle of an Iowa cornfield. And predictably, everyone around him says, you're out of your mind, you're losing money, they're going to take your, your farm, cut it out, sell the field, etc. But Ray remains faithful to the voice. And that strange field becomes a mystical conduit to the past, to the future, and to the purposes of a higher will, doesn't it? It's a retelling of the Noah story. It's someone that anomalously builds this thing that doesn't make a lick of sense in worldly terms, but in fact becomes the means by which he finds spiritual salvation, by which he survives. So, you get my point, I hope. How important it is for everybody in this room to build an ark. You know, God respects our freedom. God doesn't just do everything for us. Build the ark. Prayer. The sacraments. The corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Following the commands of the Lord. 
faithfulness to the liturgy, all these ways that we build a ship with pitch on the outside and the inside so that when the storms come, we survive. Well, we hope you enjoyed the first half of Bishop Barron's address to the United States Naval Academy. Again, we'll share the second half of this talk in just two weeks. In the meantime, once more, please help us to complete the Word on Fire Bible Project. If you believe in this series, if you like the quality and the caliber of the first volume of the Bible, please help us to keep it going. We're hoping to eventually release seven volumes in this series. We anticipate it will take at least 10 years of time. So this is a massively ambitious project and we can't do it ourselves. We need your help. Um, I'm gonna be very frank and tell you that it costs a lot of money to print these Bibles. Um, if you've held it, if you own a copy, you know that this is not a cheaply made book. This is a Bible that uses the, the highest quality premier uh, materials. The amount of time and effort that went into collecting the commentaries and the artwork is extraordinary. And in order to produce these and continue producing future volumes, we need money to make it happen. And so we're asking you to help. Again, if you believe in this, if you like this Bible, if you want this Bible to be around for generations to come, help us make it happen. Visit the website wordonfire.org slash Bible project, or just click on the link in the show notes and donate. Any amount will help, but if you donate over $85, you'll be the very first to get a copy of the second volume of the Bible, which will come out in just a few months' time. Well, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the Word on Fire show.